Today on Seven Figures, Smart Money Strategies for Women, Stephanie is here to tell us how she paid off $32,000 of debt in just 14 months. She is a financially confident woman who wants to share her story to show other women living debt-free is possible, and it feels darn good. And we check in with Grandpa Mark today in our No Dumb Questions segment, reflecting on the pandemic, what money lessons it's taught us, plus we get his take on Janet Yellen, who is close to becoming the first woman to serve as Treasury Secretary. And we'll take a seat at the kids' table. Are the holidays the one time of the year you spoil the kids with almost everything they want? It's been a tough year. A lot of parents are tempted to go over the top this year. Our money expert has advice for us parents in our No Dumb Questions segment. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union. Thank you for making time to listen. I want to get you to that point where you have a good understanding of what's going on with your finances. So you never feel like you have to delegate it off to somebody else. You never feel like somebody's talking down to you. You feel like you have control, you're confident about your money, and you know exactly what you need to do. And most importantly, you have that peace of mind that everything is going to be okay. Before we learn about how our Seven Figures listener, Stephanie, paid down her debt, let's start the show with no dumb questions. Professor Emeritus at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and author of Teachers Can Be Financially Fit, a great stocking stuffer, by the way. Economist Grandpa Mark is here. How are you, Grandpa? I'm doing just great, Sandy. <laughs> I feel like I need to say it like that, Grandpa. No, it's all right. I'm, I'm here to offer some grandfatherly advice to your listeners. Yes. Okay, so President-elect Joe Biden, earlier this month, he introduced his picks for his economic policy team. And the name that a lot of people are talking about is Janet Yellen. Can you give us some insight on Janet Yellen? Is this a is this a good strategy move for him? Oh, I, I think so. I think okay. uh, naming a well-known person uh, who was a steady hand when she was chair, the first female chair of the Federal Reserve Board, remarkable for uh, having held, she'll hold both of these positions. I mean, she was chair of the Federal Reserve Board, uh, first female, and that's remarkable enough. Uh, but now she'll be uh, Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, I don't think any person has ever held both positions. Oh, uh, really? Earlier okay. in her life, you know, she was the president of the San Francisco Fed. Uh, so she's had a remarkable career. You know, she deals in the real world all the time. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how this works out. But I think generally uh, the economic community uh, and the business community uh, welcomed the idea. That's good. Okay. Awesome. And you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how many other women feel this way, but sometimes I think, oh gosh, are they just going to put a woman in just because to look good that, oh yes, we're supporting women. And of course I want women should be supported, but as a woman, it's good to know that Janet Yellen deserves this title, not because she's a woman, but because she's awesome. She's a She's a good economist. That, okay. that she's a great economist. So her, her credentials are impeccable. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So now what financial lessons can we learn? Because we're at the end of the year. This is going to be the last show. If we're going to reflect back on the pandemic, what financial lessons can we learn from this? 
Well, I think there's a few things and they're not all that remarkably new. Uh, and maybe that's the strength of it. Uh, the first thing I think is uh, we learn about the importance of having an emergency fund. Ah, yeah. Uh, people, uh, you know, financial people say three to six months, depending on your job security. Uh, you know, if you're a teacher with a fairly secure position, maybe three months uh, of income saved in an emergency fund. But if you're a commission salesman, um, you know, you probably want to have a longer horizon than that. And given all the uncertainty, you know, how many people uh, left their jobs in order to stay home and take care of the kids and all that, uh, having that emergency fund, that go-to fund. And uh, you always want to keep that in something that you can turn into uh, cash real quickly. Like I say, even a old-fashioned savings account, money market account. So I think that this really firms that up. I know my wife and I keep up. Uh, you know, we, we, we're self-insured for our long-term uh, care. And uh, so we have, we keep a fairly large emergency fund just for emergencies. Maybe another thought is, uh, you know, COVID has been quite a disaster. And uh, this time of year uh, in Rochester, New York, maybe you'd be smart to be thinking about having uh, a disaster plan in mind. Um, maybe this would be a good time to get that blizzard uh, kit uh, together, make sure you've got some good first aid supplies and some bathroom supplies. Uh, again, things come and go here. People get a little panicked uh, with COVID, but you know, down here in, I'm in Florida, you know, we put together emergency kits for uh, the hurricane season, but up in Rochester, it seems to me, yeah. You get you get a lot of snow. <laughs> we need to know where our snow brush is, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> There's the grandfatherly advice right there. A good thing going into the new year would be to pull out those fixed expenses you have and just take a long look at those. Um, so look at your insurance, your home insurance and your car insurance. And, and maybe now would be a good time to be rethinking, you know, maybe do a little shopping around online, uh, see if you could maybe save a little money on that. Maybe you could save a little money on your cable, uh, television, uh, and internet service. Uh, these business, this pretty competitive out there, and maybe you could find a better deal. Uh, maybe look at your home insurance, uh, see if you could find a little wiggle room, maybe your, your phone plan. And so maybe you could free up a little cash. You know, we tend to look at your variable expenses, you know, like not eating out as much and things like that uh, to try and find a little extra cash that you could save and invest uh, or put into your emergency fund. But maybe taking a hard look at those fixed expenses might be a, a good idea, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think enough people um, or ask sometimes. I mean, I don't know. People pick on me for doing this, but I'll often call companies and be like, hey, is there a, is there a deal you can give me? Because I've been a loyal customer for a long time. And sometimes they do. They surprise me when they're like, well, of course. Like, yeah, it, it's remarkable. It's remarkable when you get people on the phone. I just had uh, a conversation about an invoice yesterday and the guy, you know, he said, oh, no, no, you're fine. Uh, I don't care uh, if, if there's a question here. I'm going to take care of it because you're a oh, great customer. Right. Um, and maybe the the last point that I'd make is, boy, is this the year of where the old rule buy and hold uh, really made a difference. Um, uh, yes. You know, when you think about where the stock market was in March uh, and then they set record highs 
just remarkable. If you had panicked in March and and sold on the low, be, you would have lost, well, you know, depending on what we're talking about, yeah, you could yeah. potentially lose tens of thousands of dollars, uh, depending on, on how much you've got in stocks. But uh, boy, oh boy. So the old the old adage, buy and hold, I think really, uh, really has That's proven true. to be correct. Yeah. yeah. What do they say? Buy and hold until you're old. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Pick good companies and, and uh, rebalance occasionally, but uh, mainly buy good companies and stick with it. I love it. Grandpa, thank you. And you have a very happy holiday. Well, Sandy, thanks so much. You too. And I, I sure appreciate you uh, inviting me to come on to your show. Absolutely. And uh, you can support Mark Shug, Grandpa Mark. Give us the website and how we can buy that book. My name is Mark Shug. It's spelled S-C-H-U-G. If you just put that in a Google search, I'll come up markshug.com. And there you can get all the information about the book. And we just revamped the website. So I've got some fresh videos on there and everything. So uh, take a look and there's a link there to send me an email. I'd love to speak with any of your listeners that want to talk. Awesome. All right. I'll see you in the new year. Okay. You got it, Sandy. Take care now. (laughs) Living debt-free is possible. How she paid off $32,000 of debt within 14 months. Our Seven Figures listener, Stephanie, joins us next. Here we go, ladies. Stephanie Schifano and Julie Hares. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Glad to be here. Now, this is pretty big. Stephanie, I got to give you a lot of credit. I was uh, I did a post on Facebook that just says, hey, what's your money victory? What are you really proud of? And you jumped in on the conversation and you're like, well, hello, I paid off $32,000 of debt in 14 months. And I was like, that is... Brave. I don't know if brave is the right word, but that is, yeah, I would say brave and courageous to come out and say that to everyone. Did it take you a while to actually openly admit to that? Was that a struggle for you or no? Um, so I guess what I would say is it's not a struggle for me to talk about anything. Anybody that knows me knows I'm kind of an open book. And you know, growing up, you're taught, you know, there's three things you never talk about, politics, religion, and money. Mm -hmm. And what I really thought was, if I could talk about the struggles that we had, and somebody else can learn from that, I'm all in. So I think I probably talk about it more than I should. um, But I don't mind because if somebody else can learn and not make the same mistakes, I would love it. Okay, well, we appreciate you being so honest and open with us. Julie, you were Stephanie's financial advisor, and you helped her accomplish paying off this debt. But first, Stephanie, what what was your money story like? Was money always a struggle for you? Did this debt just kind of creep up on you without even realizing it? How did we get to this point? So essentially growing up, I worked really hard. You know, I would hold down two or three jobs. Um you know, kind of working 40 plus hours a week. And I never really had major issues with money. Um, I always had enough to get by and pay my bills and was never really into credit cards. In fact, I despised credit cards and Mm. still despise them. Um, And so what happened was along the way, you know, I had three layoffs in my career. 
And my husband took a step backwards um, in one of his jobs. And because of those circumstances, Uh, what ended up happening is we accumulated a little bit of debt along the way. And we're smart people. Like, that's the thing that I kept struggling with is like, we're both really smart people. And we know how to manage budgets, but we just couldn't figure out how to get past where we were or get out of our own way Mm. to pay down some of this debt. And I think the like major circumstances that took place was we made what I would call, and I'll put it on me, not even him, a couple bad money decisions. And what it was, was I was driving a vehicle and it died, basically died on the side of the road. And our son was 15, he was going to be 16. And I'm like, listen, we're going to fix it. Because if we fix it, then he can have it. And I'll know everything that's wrong with this vehicle because I paid to have it fixed. So we still had negative equity in that vehicle, put the payment to have it fixed on a credit card. And a year after it died again. Oh, geez. And so at that point, it was like, okay, I've got to trade it in. And not only am I still paying off the first repairs, but I had to pay to, like, repair it and get it to a dealership again. Um, So I had two sets of repairs on a credit card with other small debts that we had come up along the way. Yeah. And, you know, slowly but surely, it rose. And, you know, Sandy, I paid off 32000 in 14 months. But let's be realistic. I still have $4,000 on a credit card that I'm working to pay off. That's very common, though, with the vehicle situation, right, Julie? There's a lot of people who are upside down with their vehicles. That's Is that one of the biggest struggles? It can be. Um, people, a lot of times, don't understand the terms that they're engaging in. Um, I sometimes will have clients call me that will ask me advice in the middle of a transaction like that. Um, Unfortunately, Steph had made that decision prior to us working together. Um, But I recently had a a client call me and say and ran numbers past me. And I said, um, "Okay, send me the contract and then called them back. And I said, do you realize that they're rolling over over almost eight thousand dollars negative equity from, you know, your first transaction? is getting rolled into this loan. So you're paying um, interest on an old debt and this is just gonna compound your situation. You know, I knew all of their variables so that I could say, have you considered paying this off and then starting anew or paying a good chunk of this down because this really isn't in your long-term best interest. So a lot of times, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly savvy with that to be able to see that quickly um, because it's what I do, right? So I look at everywhere your money touches and we try to maximize it for our clients. That is something that can can really get you behind and it can really hurt because you're paying interest on negative equity. So you're not really making any type of gains. And if you look at your your balance on your on on your uh, car loan, it gets very discouraging, right? I don't know if you guys have experienced that. I know that I personally have. And you're like, why did I do that? That really wasn't a good decision. So I I often say, Sandy, to practice the pause before you're going to make a big decision in regards to money, really practice the pause and think about it and get input from um, 
industry experts, people that can really help you make an informed decision in regards to that. Yeah, but it's sometimes, I mean, there's two things here, right? And stuff you would agree. First of all, I mean, you thought you were making the smart decision. I'm going to get this car ready for yep. you, pass it down. I, on the on the surface, it didn't really sound like a, a bad decision. Um, no. So you're either in that camp or you get so emotionally tied to a vehicle or the excitement of that purchase that you're right, Julie, we need to take a pause and just say, okay, hang mm-hmm. on. Is this more of an emotional buy or is this a, a practical decision to make? Right. Yep. Exactly, Sandy. What was that aha moment for you, Stephanie, where you're like, I, we got to do something about this? Um, so what's interesting is that aha moment happened years ago, right? So I have always been, well, let me back up. When I was in my 20s, money made me sick. Like I would be sick to my stomach, worried about money, you know, so I've always been highly focused on it. And what took place was I was working at a previous company and um, Dave Ramsey, who was a finance guy, they brought his solution to the company and they're like, hey, we want to do this with people. And they actually had me train on it, which was really cool. Yeah. So I was learning the solution while I was teaching it. And so the aha moment was probably five, six years ago. And what I did was I started some of his basic stuff. So I had the $1,000 emergency fund. And that was huge for us to know that if anything went wrong, you know, furnace died, hot water heater, whatever it was, I had $1,000 and I didn't have to put any money on a credit card. So what I actually did was I went to paying minimum payments on all of my credit cards. Okay. Um, I sold stuff. So I was returning bottles and cans, selling the kids baby stuff, you know, doing whatever I could to get a thousand dollars emergency fund so that I would not have to use a credit card. And then once I had that, you focus on your smallest debt and you work to your largest debt. So after I had my thousand dollars, I started paying off, you know, really small bills. So I would pay minimum payments on all of my credit cards or all of my bills, but the smallest one, which may be $100 at Victoria's Secret or Macy's credit card, I would pay as much as I possibly could to that until it was paid off. Then I'd go to that next smallest debt and I'd roll over whatever I was paying on that Macy's or Victoria's Secret and I'd roll it over onto that next debt. And let's say it was $300 and I could now put $100 a month on that. So I was paying that next one off in three months. Okay. So so now I'm going to pause you here for a ahead. second. Julie, there's two schools of thought, right? There's the way that Stephanie mm-hmm. did it following the Ramsey Solutions yep. way. And then there's another camp that says the high interest bill first. What, what do you advise or what do you like? Well, it it's really specific to the person, Sandy, okay. um, because you have to look at all the variables. So um, it just will depend on all the variables for the person. With Stephanie's situation, because there was a lot of little, little debts, and then she, she went from the little debt to the largest debt, 
mentally and emotionally, it worked for her. And I, I feel like that this is a component that often gets lost when we have these conversations. You need to tap into really what's going to work well for the client. And a lot of this goes back to something Stephanie said about in her 20s, money made her sick. Um, a questions that I ask when I first start to meet with someone is their money mindset is so important. So I talk about like, what is your very first money memory? Um, it can be good. It can be bad. It can be funny. Like, what is your very first memory of money? And based upon me getting to know someone in that level, it, it can help me kind of custom tailor what might work best for them. There's some other questions that I would ask about that too. Like I'll actually ask people. So going back to your example of the car situation, if someone's going to about to buy a new car, it's actually just happened recently and say the payment's going to be somewhat significant, but in, in this, in this person's situation, it's, it's really not a big deal, but you ask them, okay, your payment's going to be X. How do you feel about that? Like, it's a gut check almost uh, like, what are your, like, how do you really feel about that? Um, and I think for Stephanie, she, she came to me already very organized. Stephanie, I would like to give you a kudos for that. Um, if you know, <laughs> Stephanie, you, you would know she's incredible. She's incredibly organized. Um, sometimes clients come to me and they're just not, so it's all over the board, right? But having a system that works for you, that you're going to own makes all the difference. So I feel like she was committed to what she had learned. So what I did is I supported her in that. And then as we got into some of the larger amounts, we repositioned, um, where her money was to allow her to pay things down a little quicker. Okay. So when you work with someone like myself, that's a professional in this arena, we're going to look at your entire position and then say, how can we pivot these things to maybe pick up a little momentum to pay things down a little bit more efficiently? What was it, Steph? Why, why did money stress you out so much when you were in your twenties? So truthfully, I think it was kind of how I grew up. Um, my mother, amazing, amazing woman worked at uh, Global Crossings back in the day. And so when I was in high school, Global Crossings had their crisis and my mother basically lost her retirement. Oh. And so I think that was in the back of my head, yeah. knowing that, you know, she kind of had to do a reset and, you know, figure out how she could reallocate money to build her retirement back up so that she could potentially retire at some point. And Pensions didn't exist. You know, I knew I wouldn't have a pension. Yeah. You know, so what are the things that you have to do? Gosh, saying that, I mean, now that we're in this pandemic, there's a lot of families that are going through what you went through, Stephanie. Julie, are you seeing that? Because it does have a big impact on your family, the entire family. The kids are watching. They're picking up on your vibe, whether you're vocalizing it or not. Right. You are right. Kids are seeing this. Kids are picking up on this. Um, and the one thing that I, I am a big believer in is communication. Like, I feel like the more you communicate with your kids and the more you prepare the children, the better off they're going to be. Um, I was taught this from my parents and it is something that has always served me well. So I communicate with my son, Hey, you know, what's important, Jared is making sure you have cash reserve. It's going to be important. It's, it's an important thing, you know, back to Stephanie's point about cash reserve. 
that's really um, kind of where the rubber hits the road. And we make sure that um, a client has proper cash reserve mm-hmm. for whatever's going to come their way, right? Um, you know, there's standards, but in general, it's around three to six months cash reserve of your of your uh, monthly expenses. Okay. So generality. Um, the Ramsey solution that Stephanie referenced um, talks about getting yourself to at least a thousand. So that's like the benchmark for them. Um, and that's what he teaches. That's part of his system. So we, we try to take it to the next level. And what does this look like for people? And really, where do they need to be? Um, and it, like I said, it's specific to the person. So every person's different, right? Uh, but as, as far as like with your children, I think being, um, being transparent, but without um, fear, right? So talking about, yes, we're in a pandemic. Yes, this is a situation. Um, but we can't just sit in the corner and give up. You know, we have to, we have to still do our work every day. We have to still, um, go to work and help, you know, in my case, help other people. Um, so what I teach my son by showing up every day, I think is a good example. And I think as, as parents, we can all do the same instead of worrying needlessly about, okay, what's next for us. We still need to take care of our families. So what does that look like? You know? It it might be easier said than done, though, because, gosh, if I was in the situation, Steph, like your mom, I could try to be a strong role model for my kids and fake it that I'm not stressed. But holy cow, I think I would be stressed. You know, when money's tight, money's not coming in, you can't help it. But my mother never seemed stressed about it. I think I was worried for her. So I think it was, you know, that fear, you know, of me for her being able to sustain, survive and all of that. And, you know, if, if you don't mind, what I'd like to talk about is add on to something Julie shared, um, because I think it's really important. And it was my introduction to Julie. And so, again, my husband and I are smart people, right? And it was, I was struggling with the notion that every time I met with a financial advisor, they would advise me against what I wanted to do. And so I would have a plan and a goal and, you know, I, I have everything laid out and I know the direction I want to go. And I would talk to somebody that I believed was an expert in their field, which they are, right? I don't want to take that away from anybody. But the difference for me with Julie is she took a step back and she listened. And then she helped me, you know, she encouraged me to continue with my plan and would give me small guidance along the way. And so when we were talking about credit card debt and you asked her about, you know, do you pay lowest amount or highest interest? One of the things Julie checked in with me about, like right off the bat, was, Stephanie, you have to transfer everything to 0% credit cards. And I'm like, Julie, I'm already on that one. And she's like, okay. So immediately we took interest out of the equation for all of my credit card bills Mm -hmm. because I had already rolled them over to 0%. So then working from smallest to largest worked. But, you know, again, the key with Julie is, you know, she found she built upon the plan that I already had in place and then helped to keep me focused. She would check in on me, you know, every couple months. 
And, or I would send her a text and I'd be like, oh my God, I just paid this off. And I would get the most encouraging, supportive, you know, truly excited response from her. Like she was so excited that I was meeting my goals. And yeah, it was, that's really what was amazing. And then she, she did encourage me to follow the path that I wanted to follow, which made me want to succeed even more yeah because i didn't want her disappointed in me well that's what they say too right that this has got to be somebody that gels with your personality 100 and and you should interview them honestly sandy like it's it's an interview when you meet someone um like we know we know that as advisors when we meet you we may or may not be the right fit for you but it should be someone and i tell people and i told stephanie and john this you should be able to ask me any question without feeling judged or any type of weirdness. Like you literally should be able to ask me any question. And I also say, um, you know, you can push back and I'm going to also, I'm going to ask for your permission to coach you. Like it just has to be open communication. It has to be honest. It has to be just very transparent. And um, yeah, you should, if you don't feel good about it, you should reconsider the relationship. So yeah. I, um, and I really do try to get really behind and, and, and I started on my meeting off with Stephanie and John and I do pretty much with every meeting, which is, um, your goals become my goals. So your first set of goals and then, and secondarily and third, cause we talk about short range, mid range and long range, um, those goals kind of become mine and, yeah. and and we help you lay out the groundwork to make it happen. All right. Before we finish up here with the, the biggest takeaways from Stephanie paying off all this debt, I wanted, because while we're here, I wanted to make sure that we do clarify with everybody when you are looking for an advisor, some questions that you need to ask are what Julie, are you fiduciary, which feels weird for people, but right. you have to ask that, right? Are you working for me? Or are you working? Who are you working for? Right. Well, and I do think, Sandy, that the industry and the laws and everything, it's trending trending that way. So you, that is a shift that you'll see. It's in our industry already. Okay. Um, so, yes. So that is an important thing. Um, also, How do you get paid, right? Yep. How do you get paid? The other thing that you can also um, ask is um, go on to their, uh, if they're a registered rep, they you can check their broker checker. Um, so you can check the credentials and and make sure that everything is a clean record. But yes, those are all good questions to ask. Okay. Um, All right. Now, Stephanie, so what was it that you would say is the biggest piece of advice that you can give somebody who is kind of struggling? Yeah. So I always go with knowledge is key. And what I find more often than not is people become paralyzed, right? Mm. So they become paralyzed with, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So they don't do anything. And I already had stuff written down, um, but Julie drove me to do that even more. So I have a, I'll say a monthly budget, but I would even go smaller and say a weekly budget. And I handwrite because it works for me. Some people could do it in Excel spreadsheet. Um, but I handwrite out every single bill. I handwrite out all of the income that's coming in. I, you know, 
and I budget, like I budget strategically. And if I don't have money for something, we don't buy it or we plan for it. Um, So one of the things that I did prior to Julie, but I know she would encourage this also, is I have a Christmas account. I mean, Christmas is right around the corner, but every pay period I have money that comes out of my check and goes right into account that is solely used for Christmas. And then because, you know, as we've said a couple of times, money makes me sick, right? Like I get really nervous and I didn't want to put Christmas on credit cards. So at Christmas time, I have a couple thousand dollars that we use for, you know, to buy the family Christmas tree, to buy the family presents, to pay for the food, you know, the extra food we have to buy if we're hosting a party, you know, um, any items like that. And then I'm not touching credit cards. So, you know, I go back to what I said at the beginning, knowledge is really power. And, you know, write everything down, write down all your debts, write down all of your income, you know, and focus on, you know, staying true to the money that you actually have and not buying something that you think you need, you know, but you can go with delayed satisfaction. You don't need everything today. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of is remember how we all used to have that magnet on our fridge that was like, nothing tastes better than skinny feels or something like that, which is so inappropriate and politically incorrect nowadays, but we all had it. And now it's almost like nothing satisfies you. Nothing that you buy satisfies you more than just the peace of mind of knowing that you have money (laughs) or something like that. We got to come up with our new magnet, but it really is true. Once you, Once you get over the hurdle of the pain in the butt that it is to start documenting and writing down your budget and setting that up, once you get over that and get used to it, gosh, it feels so good. I mean, you probably appreciate and love the holidays even more now, knowing that it's it's already taken care of. Oh, it it makes it so easy. And it's funny because, um, and Julie knows this, but I manage the finances in our house. And so... You know, at Christmas time, my husband will see us spending and he's like, I'm really nervous. Do we have the money in the account? And I'm like, yep, we've still got it. We're Don't still good. Don't you worry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But, it. but he's in tune with it, too. So it helps that he's in tune with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, somebody always does take the lead in the family, which is OK. But you guys got to both have some understanding of what's going on with the money. Where is it going? Exactly. 1,000%. I can't stress that enough. You guys have been so fantastic, spectacular. Thank you so much, Stephanie, again, for being so open about all of this. Julie, thank you so much for being on the show, too. Happy holidays to you guys. Thanks. Thanks You too, Sandy. Thanks for having us. A lot of parents, because it's been so are tempted to go over the top this holiday. Our money expert is here to give us some advice. Grab a chair. We're about to take a seat at the kids' table next. Welcome to the kids' table. We take a seat at the kids' table, and we have our uh, expert with us, Money Savvy Generation founder, uh, Susan Beecham. How are you? I am well, Sandy. I feel like you're going to yell at me again. Oh, no. I don't know. Susan, this is almost like a therapy session for me. So anybody listening, if you're not up to par with teaching your kids valuable money lessons, that's okay, because I'm not there either. So we asked the kids, and I'm very curious to see what you're going to say. 
Is the holidays, this time of year, is this the time that you totally spoil your kids? You give them everything that they want. So let's see what the kids say about it. And then you give us your expert advice, okay? Okay, deal. When you make a list, do you expect to get everything on that list? Um, probably almost everything. If it's a lot of things, I don't expect everything. But if it's a few things, yes. Is the holidays the one time that you should get everything you want? Do you expect to get everything you want? Well, Christmas is like kind of the time that I wait to ask for all the expensive things that I wouldn't spend my own money on. Would you rather see a bunch of little things around the tree, like a big, huge pile of little things around the tree, or just a few big items? I think it's more fun to see a bunch of little things rather than just a few big things. It's just kind of deep down, like even though the big things might be more expensive, I think it's just more fun to open up gifts, like a bunch of them. Do you think the holidays is the one time that you should get everything you want? No. It should be like... You should be grateful for stuff and that you have and like you you're you're supposed to be like grateful for the other people that like helped you or like your mom and dad. So if you make a big long list for Santa and you get just two things on your list, that's okay. Yes. It's about family members. It's not about gifts. Do you feel this way now especially because you're not able to see a lot of your family because yeah. of COVID? Yeah. I miss like seeing my nana and grandpa because they're the best. Aww. Okay. So now judge away, Susan. No. <laughs> I will not judge. I do not judge. <laughs> But I, I do want to say that that young man is a catch. I know. Uh, you know, um, what what's, let me just tell you why he's such a catch. At such a young age, one of the gifts that we can give our kids at this time of the year is a sense of gratitude. And he's already got it. Yeah. He gets it, right? He's appreciating probably because... He's not seeing his grandma and grandpa as much, but he's appreciating things that don't go on a Christmas list, like time with grandma and grandpa. And just to back it up with a little research, Kit Yarrow, who wrote the book Decoding the Consumer Mind, mm. Why We Shop and Buy, said this, kids who experience higher levels of gratitude also have stronger immune functioning more and better friendships, higher pay, more energy, more optimism, more happiness, sounder sleep, and fewer addictions. Wow. Yeah. I mean, isn't that a powerful impact of being able to experience and feel gratitude? That's huge. Yeah. It's so much less stressful if you're that young man and you're looking for only two things. It's, he's okay if he gets two things off that list rather than stressing out about getting everything. So I do get it. I do get wanting to wow your kids. Yeah. And um, I, there, there's a lot of parents too, especially now, because there's been so much going on with these kids. We almost want to mask the the things that they've been lacking and and what do we do our go-to is okay well let's just make them happy let's make this holiday the best holiday to make up for everything else that was pretty 
crappy throughout the you know the past handful of months i gotta say sandy i think we do that more for ourselves than we do for our kids mm. you know we're the ones who have decades of experience to know what it was like when it wasn't like this and we're the ones who want to make the experience at the holiday bigger than life our kids are going to want what we've taught them that's interesting yeah it's kind of like the divorce parents too right they try to overcompensate i guess Right. And, but they're doing that for themselves because they feel a sense of, I haven't done enough. You know, we cannot make our kids happy. That comes in, that comes from within. And we can, however, teach our children the value of things other than gifts, the value of time spent with parents. In fact, again, me and my research, when they asked I don't know, over 3,000 kids, what they wanted most this Christmas, most of them answered more time with my mom and Oh, no way. Did they really? Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. just lay on the guilt. More time. Well, listen, yeah, I know. I mean, I I won't tell you the whole story, but my... my both my girls were together for my youngest daughter's birthday and she'd written a story about a time when her older sister stepped in to help her when she asked me to do something (laughs) and i said i had no time you know the one time probably the one time that you didn't have enough time is the time she wrote about yeah bless them for remembering that and then memorial memorializing it in a, a birthday card um, I, you know, we have, we set the expectations for our kids. I remember um, Kathy Lee Gifford. Do you remember Kathy Lee? Yeah, from the- sure. She, she said she raised her boys with only expecting three gifts under the tree and she tied it to the three Kings theme. So they would get three gifts. You can say you can have one big and then three smaller. Uh, you can tell them that they can have three needs and two wants just to kind of continually reduce the volume. Yeah. And then it'll probably ultimately reduce the stress too. Right. And it gives you an opportunity to do more when you can, but not to feel like you're doing less when you can't. Yeah. All right. One good gift though, to put under that tree or in the stocking or uh, as one of the gifts of Hanukkah is uh, the money savvy generation pig. You know, the, the money savvy pig, glad you brought it up, Sandy, the money, <laughs> money savvy pig piggy bank. Yeah, because you know what it does? It's not just a toy. It's something that starts to shape how your children think about money. They think about money in terms of choices, save some, spend some, donate some, and invest some for the future. And um, getting that message in front of them at a young age and then continually reinforcing it is only going to create a young adult that will think in terms of choice. And that's what we want for our kids. We want them to understand and be able to transact across all money choices. Perfect. So the Money Savvy Pig is on your website. Also books, great books. Those are great stocking stuffers too. What's your uh, website so we can look it up? So you can find all these resources at moneysavvy.com. And if you want to hear any more about my point of view on topics, 
take a look at my blog at susanbeecham.com. Perfect. Thank you, Susan. Hey, happy holidays, Sandy. This is it. This is the last show of the year. Next time we chat, it's going to be 2021. Thank God. Hopefully, it'll be a year that we get back to some kind of normal. But thank you so much, truly, for connecting with me on social media. You guys are the best. Anything I can do for you, just let me know. I'm always here for you. If you haven't yet, click subscribe to the show. Share this with uh, with other people you care about. It, uh, it helps me look good to the big corporate people if I get a lot of subscribers and reviews, which I hate. I hate how we're judged by numbers because that's not why I do this. But for some people, that's all that matters. So if you could take an extra second to do that would be awesome. Okay. Have a wonderful, safe, healthy holiday. And I will talk to you in 2021. The 7 Figures Podcast is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union.